0: Ephesians chapter 6, we're in chapter 6, and there's a lot here in chapter 6, so don't think we're going to have it over here, over with in just a short time, but I am looking forward to the different topics that we find here and what Paul, uh, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has to say to us, and uh, it's so important. We've looked at wives, and and they're submitting to their uh, husbands. And we've looked at husbands loving their wives. And then, let me just say to that, we come now to children. And I think it's interesting Paul put it in that order. Because uh, if you don't get the first two right, you're going to miss on the third one for sure. But remember husband and wives. And really all of us, because we all have influence with children. Whether grandchildren, nephews, nieces. So it, it, we, uh, we need to h- hear this together because what we say and do affects children, okay? You're, you're not uh, someone who doesn't influence people. No, you influence people, and particularly children. And that's what Paul is talking about here. And uh, remember, he is still talking about walking worthily of the calling at which we've been called. And uh, he's still talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit and um, and what that looks like, and this is part of that, Uh, and what it is to to raise children. He's talking about uh, what difference the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of Christ, how it affects our lives, the believer's life. At home, at work, at school, and church, and and so the goal I think of all of us is to have this grace and love of Christ flow out of our lives to others, to to touch others because we have been we have been touched so deeply. We're to walk as children of God, and we're to raise our our children uh, for God. And his service. And so let's read now uh, Ephesians six, one through four. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that so that it be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the d- discipline and instruction. Of the Lord. And may God bless our hearts this portion of His Word uh, and the reading of it. Uh, We see that um, children evidently were there in the hearing of this reading, because He says, children. So obviously they were part of the service. I'm not saying I'm against having children's church, but I think once children get to a certain age, they need to be in here. Okay? and uh, But there's nothing wrong with toddlers and, and having a nursery and, and all of that. But he does address children like they're there. Yeah. All right? And so they're part of this service. And uh, let us not forget that. also, uh, we find Paul again... Addressing fathers. I'm sorry fathers. You know he just ain't going to let up. And we need to hear this. Um, And again. You may not have children in the home anymore. But this does apply to all of us. We see mothers are certainly involved though. In raising kids. Because it says does it not children. Obey your parents in the Lord. Not just your father, but your parents. So mother are involved in this. And uh, there must be unity and agreement in raising children for there to be unity in the marriage. And I see so many times where, where there's not an understanding of raising children, you can have real problems in the home. And uh, so this is, this is that important, to have unity Um, we must be in agreement, husband and wife, on how children are to be raised. Something you need to discuss before you get married. Do you believe in spanking or don't you believe in spanking? And this will tell you whether you need to be married to the person that you're fixing to marry. Whether you agree on these issues. These are issues that are in life and... uh, they're that important. And I remember I almost married the wrong girl when there were so many issues that didn't line up. And I was told, this in not the girl for you. And, but anyway, and God worked it out that I didn't marry her. And thank the Lord uh, that uh, uh, there was a lot of pain that uh, would have come about from marrying the wrong person. But we need to hear from God's word, okay, because there is this unity between the husband and wife that must be there. And uh, children can be a magnet force drawing people together or a wedge which drives them apart. And so talk this out with your spouse. Even if you, you don't have children yet or if you have just a toddler, we need to be in agreement. Um, remember, if you don't train them up, the devil will. Our text this morning, I think, answers three questions. First of all, who is responsible for raising children? Secondly, what is the goal of raising children? Thirdly, how is the goal of raising children to be realized? How do you go about doing that? And I'm going to look at the first two points and part of the third this morning, but next week I will have a follow-up because, again, there's so much information, especially when I ramble, uh, to cover it all. But uh, who is responsible, first of all, for raising children? Again, he specifically addresses the fathers. Um, and yet it's a joint thing. But ultimately, the father is responsible. Do you hear that, men? The buck stops with you. And uh, But you, we all know that the husband and wife must work together as a team, I'm, I'm not, because really the mother in the home many times is the one who raises the children. Sad to say. Many homes, the father is not there. And it's sad, and that's what's wrong with our country today, is the fathers are absent. Proverbs one eight. listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your, what? Mother's teaching. See. Both are involved in this. So, First Timothy five ten, and it is and it is well known for, and is well known for her good deeds. And this is speaking of a widow, where the husband has died, such as uh, bringing up children, showing hospitality. So we find there were either there were even widows who had children to raise up, and they were bringing them up without a husband in the home. So just because your husband dies, you don't get rid of the kids because there's no husband around. No, you still have that responsibility. But primarily the husband is involved here. The father is ultimately responsible before God uh, for what is done in the home. And don't forget that, men. It's that big of a deal. And by the way, you're not to say, you know what, you're the one that wanted kids anyway, sweetheart. And so I'm just giving that to you. Because you wanted them, I didn't want them. I've actually heard people say that before. I didn't want children to begin with. We had a child. It's her, she wanted it. Let her raise it. What an attitude. Isn't that sad? It's sick. It's terrible. And yet that's the way a lot of people are. They're so selfish that they would not take part in it. You wanted them, you raise them. Uh, And sad to say, we don't find fathers in a lot of homes today. The mother or the grandparents are even raising children. So the father must always oversee what is going on in the home. And I talked about not being a micromanager, but being a macro manager In other words, let's say just your, your wife happens to be the one that cooks. In my case, yes, yeah, she does the, you don't want to have my cooking. Well, except for boiling water. I do a pretty good job at that. But if the wife has that responsibility, the husband is to oversee it in the sense of, well, tonight we're having Twinkies and Coke. And for lunch tomorrow, we're having Twinkies and Coke. Right? And so the husband has to say, you know, sweetheart, I think we can do better here. And so he, he oversees what's going on, but not micromanaging. And so she probably needs a little help when it comes to doing that. Also, uh, the father must manage the raising of the children. Good managers don't do the work of ten men. Good managers help the ten men to do their best work. And so the husband is to delegate to his wife and should a whole lot of stuff. Because for the most part, she's better at it than he is. And I can say amen to that. Uh, also the officer in the church is to manage his family well, uh, both physically and spiritually. It says of the elders and the leaders, he says he must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. And he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. And, of course, this just isn't for leaders. This is for all fathers uh husbands i should say or yeah fathers that's the main first main point the second main point what is the goal of raising children and uh, what does that mean i think there are five implications we can get and there're probably more you can think of more and, and and should first thing is that children can't bring themselves up physically or spiritually, by themselves. I think that's pretty, pretty obvious that if you have a, a newborn baby and just leave him in the crib or her in the crib, and uh, they're going to take care of themselves. That's obvious. They'll die without attention, without nurture, without food, without care. But the same is true spiritually as well. And a lot of us do a great job physically, but we fall down spiritually in raising them. But, you know, some would say, well, you know, just let them find their own way. They need to make up their own minds, uh, even to what sex they are. They may have been a, born a boy, but if they want to be a girl, that's fine. You know, they need to make up their own mind. Is that scriptural? Absolutely not. It's not scriptural. Uh, You don't leave them alone and expect them to be fine. Scriptures are very clear concerning this. Proverbs 22.15 Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Have you ever found that out to be true? (laughs) Yes. But the rod of discipline will drive it far away. We're going to get to that later. Proverbs 29.15 A rod and a... reprimand impart wisdom. But a child left a child left undisciplined disgraces its mother. The scriptures are very clear. Listen to this statement that I found. It's it's really shocking uh, as to where it came from. But listen to this. Every baby starts life as a little savage. You want, you're not going to like this, but a lot of it's true, okay? They are completely selfish and self-centered. They want what they want, when they want it, their bottle, their attention, their own toys and others. You deny them these things and they seethe with aggression and rage which would be murderous if they weren't so helpless. They are dirty and have no morals, no knowledge, no developed skills. This means that all children are born delinquent. And if permitted to continue in their self-centered world of infancy, given free reign to their impulsive actions to satisfy each want, Every child would grow up to be a criminal, thief, or killer, or rapist. This is a quote from the Minnesota Crime Commission. Now, I don't know if they've changed it or what, but I know that once was. So, isn't that amazing? And there's a lot of truth there, too. But, of course, the world... And philosophy today is that children come into the world innocent and with a blank slate and basically good, and really it's us adults who corrupt them. And that's true too, because many do. But uh, no, the truth is they're fallen and they cannot raise themselves. Another implication, secondly, is that it's a command, it's a mandate, not a suggestion, Paul says. Uh, They're not pets that we clean up after and feed. They have a soul from conception. A person made in the image of God. And God uh, entrusts them to us. Have you ever thought about that? God is entrusting them to you. To raise. To glorify him. To live for him. Thirdly. The third implication is that. It's a constant task. It's in the present tense. Always bringing them up. Every day, 24-7. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. First of all, impress them on your children. Pretty plain, isn't it? Talk about them when you sit at home. Talk about them all the time is what he's going to say. And when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Boy, what is he saying? All the time, all day long. Uh, make it a part of their life. Uh, You don't just say, well, we're going to have family devotions and uh, we got 10 minutes, check. That's done. Now on with our lives. No. You have family devotion all day long. And how do you do that? Because if you're watching TV and something comes up that's not right, you instruct them and say, you know, that's not right. Here's why it's not right. Uh, Riding along in in the car, we used to have some of our best discussions when the girls would ask these questions. We'd spend an hour talking about them, you see. That's bringing them up. It's not a five-minute devotion and then you're done with them. It's that important. Fourthly, fourth implication is that it involves discipleship, making disciples, training them up to know and serve Christ. God saves them, but what we must make sure is that we understand that they have a wicked heart and that they need Christ. They're lost without him, and we have to impress that upon them, that they see their sinners and their need for Christ. Don't wait for them to be converted and then teach them. Uh, Make them come to church and not stay at home. Teach them with every means at your disposal. The parent's first motive is to be obedient to God, to please God. Even if your children never make a profession of faith. Who is the perfect example of that? Jesus with Judas, his disciple. Jesus didn't say, you're lost, you're going to betray me, you're not listening to what I am saying, get out of here. No, he taught and Judas heard, even though Jesus knew that he was going to betray him and be lost. That's our responsibility Leave the saving up to God. Pray for them though. Can your child today may be lost? Let me ask you, how much are you praying now for your children? Not just when they were under your wing, but now that they're grown and may even have children of their own. The fifth implication of raising children is preparing them to leave the nest. Letting them go to think on their own, discern on their own. They need to know the why of the rules. Why rules are good. Why did rules exist to begin with? What are biblical principles that uh, they can apply to themselves? Why do they need biblical principles? They work. Have you ever thought about that? Why do you have biblical principles? Because they work. Pretty easy, isn't it? If they didn't work, nobody would use them. But we've got a better way, do we not? They work. You know, let's just take like modesty. Uh, a biblical principle, it's modesty. Well, some people think that uh, that's wearing skippy clothes, which it is part of that. But also, it's uh, drawing attention of any kind to yourself is immodest. In other words, if you have four rings in your nose and you have your hair painted purple, I'm not looking out to see if anybody has their hair painted purple. But what are you doing when you do that? You're drawing attention to yourself, right? And that's what they're after. They need attention. People need attention, but there are ways of of doing that correctly. They're making a statement. Look at me. Look at me. I'm something. I'm different. The third major point, which we won't finish. How is the goal of raising children to be realized? How are we to go about doing that? In verse 4, it says, fathers... Do not provoke your children to anger. Uh, Fathers have a tendency, I think, to provoke children more than the mothers do. Uh, I haven't really done a a psychological evaluation of all of this, but the Bible says fathers in particular don't do this. Uh, You know, common sense, as well as the Bible, tells us that kids get mad at their parents have you found that out even after they're gone they get mad at their parents and uh, they do does that mean then as you're raising them that you're to avoid conflicts with them Uh, let them have everything they want when they throw a temper tantrum and start screaming and hollering because they want a cookie you give it to them just to shut them up I think not You see, now we're to raise them up and raise them up. You need to learn to say no at times. Paul is addressing here, I think, uh, parents when they are unnecessarily provoking their children to anger. In Colossians 3.21, it says, Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. To embitter your children. It means here, uh, don't take the wind out of their sails. Because that's easy to do with children. Is to break their uh, uh, spirit and their wills. And they, they get discouraged and depressed and think they're no good and can't ever do anything right. Uh, they become despondent uh, and angry and, and bitter. So the rest of the time, I want to talk about the ways not to act so as to provoke your children to wrath. And there are many more here, but these are, I think, we can understand. Uh, don't expect more of them than they are capable of doing. And we have to be very careful not to over-discipline when they don't need to be disciplined. In other words, if you give a toddler an ice cream cone and put a, and put a, a napkin around it and tell him not to drip it on the floor, what's going to happen? He's going to drip it on the floor. And you don't spank a little toddler for dripping ice cream on the floor. See, that's common sense. And yet so many parents today, if you want to... You, you, if you want to know how not to raise children, go to Walmart. Or go anywhere. Yes, that's true too. But uh, yeah, it'll, it'll open your eyes uh, as to how, uh, sad to say, children are, are being brought up. So don't expect too much from them. Uh, uh, determine whether it's uh, a childlike or if it's real sin. To be dealt with. In other words, it's different now than a than a little child biting the arm of another child and drawing blood and then the parent comes in there and says, "You know kids are going to be kids." I don't think so. No, you deal with that. That is sinful. That is wrong. That's not spilling ice cream on the floor. You can keep that child from biting another child. And I saw it happen. I, I kept the nursery in the church for several years. Uh, yes, I kept the nursery. Okay? So, men, you, know, you can keep a nursery. I'm not saying you have to do it or, or God's telling you to do it, but, but I learned a whole lot about children. And uh, uh, they have a strong will. And this one child bit this other boy. I mean, drew blood. And the parent, she comes in there and says, I'm going to deal with you when we get home. Oh yeah, right. I know she didn't. And then the kid bit the kid again right in front of her. I'm telling you, I'm I'm just going to have to deal with your your bad behavior. You're just so bad and you won't do what I'm telling and you wanted to go spank the kid, spank the kid. You know, he's 3 years old. Spank the kid. Just wait till your daddy gets hold of you. And on and on. You hear this stuff. And it's sad because we're raising these children uh, in the the wrong way. Uh, Be careful, though, how you correct them. Be careful how you correct them. Don't call them stupid, dummy, clumsy, idiot. Because that stirs up discouragement. Don't put them down unnecessarily because remember one day they will teach your grandchildren thirdly practice what we preach avoid double standards you know it's really interesting how we have as as grown ups double standards you know Kids, you shouldn't fight with one another. And then, two minutes later, you're fighting with your spouse, yelling and screaming. You know, and then the kids do, stop that. And what are they thinking the whole time? What is good, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, and you're you're it's a double standard. What are you teaching them? I've seen parents yelling at kids to stop yelling you're going, duh, screaming at the top of their voice, stop yelling. I mean, sometimes you want to be the kid so you can say, why don't you stop yelling? But that wouldn't be good either, would it? Because that's when I got a spanking and, and deserved it as well. But um, practice what we preach. Fill their minds with biblical values and standards. Success for the world is wealth, power, health, beauty. That's their value system. Celebrities, sports, talents. What's God's definition of success? Interesting. Joshua tells us, the book of Joshua. Joshua 1, 7 and 8. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law. Interesting, rules my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it or to the right or the left, that you may be what? Imagine obeying rules. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Can't say it any better than that. And then, fifthly, seek to have many good times with your kids. Don't quench their spirits, uh, but leave with them wonderful memories. I have to say that about my dad. Uh, he spent a whole lot of time with us. Uh, Proverbs fifteen thirteen: A happy heart makes the face cheerful. But heartache crushes the spirit. Don't crush their spirit. Have happy times with your children. Cheerful times. Proverbs 17, A cheerful heart is good medicine. But a crushed spirit dries up the bones. We have to be careful that we don't crush their spirits. Sixthly. Communicate love and appreciation to them. Show visible expressions of love. love. Hug them. Kiss them. Tell them that you love them. Don't say, well, they know I love them. You know, all kids know you love them. No, they don't. Because some parents don't love their kids. Sad to say. You know, even the father... Our heavenly father said to Jesus, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The father said that to God the son. Imagine. You know what? He says that to us. Why? Because we're in Jesus. He says to you this morning, This is my beloved Gail in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved Mary. In whom I am well pleased. Why? Because he's well pleased with Jesus, his son. Wow. Wow, he's well pleased with you. Even though you're sinful, even though we fall short, he loves us. Wow. I hope you let that sink in. We are his son. So communicate that love to your children. Express that love to your children. Do it, do it often. And you know, we should do that with one another. This is not just with children. But it's okay to hug somebody's deck and say, I love you. No. I'm not flirting. Oh, you got to be careful. No, i got to be careful not to express love. Because that's our tendency, isn't it? It's not to express love. We need to be expressing what we feel. I don't do, do that enough with my wife, and we've talked about that. And we need to be, we need to be uh, better at this. Also, seventhly, allow them. We're almost done, I promise. Allow them to, to fail. Make mistakes. To have faults without jumping all over them. Did you know that God is abundant in loving kindness? He is abundant in loving kindness. He does not jump all over us. What does he say in his word? Psalm 103 verse 10. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Or repay us according to our iniquities, our sin. Wow. If we got what we deserved... He would kill us all immediately. You've got to understand that. His love for you is unconditional love. Because if He regarded our sins, no one here would be able to stand. So, our children must not be afraid to talk to us and confess their faults to us And that's why uh, we need to be willing to confess our faults to them. Uh, Admit your mistakes. Ask for forgiveness when you uh, mistreat them or or, uh, sin against them when you fail them. Be sensitive to your own sins against them. You know, one of the hardest things for a father to do I think, is to confess their sin to their children. I know my dad years ago, I, and I was, um, uh, I think, in the seventh or eighth grade, and uh, we, had, we went to church on Easter and you know maybe a few other times a year, and God was just really not a part of our family. And, but one day, God spoke to my dad, and he got the whole family there in the, in the living room. And he said, I want to confess something to, to my family. He said, I have failed you as a father by not making God first in this family. That was the change that it took. And God was gracious in working in my dad's life to, to bring us to himself. And wow, God It just opened the door. God just poured in to our family. And blessings started to come with Dad's confession. And I'll never forget that as long as I ever live. Wow. And then lastly, children, some would say, should be seen and not heard. And I think that's true at times. Uh, That's kind of an old Victorian statement, but someone else said this, though. Little kids may say little things, but they're not little things to them. Have you ever thought about that? Little kids say little things, but they're not little to them. Do you realize God condescends to us? And he hears all of our little things, our little petty things. And yet, we won't listen to our children and all their little things that they're going through, and they're something that's exciting them, and you know, come on, grow up, you know, that's just not important. God doesn't do that to us, does He? I'm so glad. That He cares about all of our needs. We can cast all of our cares upon Him for He cares for us. There's so much here that, that uh, I want to finish this next week. But I want all of us to, to just bow our heads now and uh, just to confess to God that we need to be more like Jesus that we need to love our children love other people's children as much as God the Father loves them that he is so well pleased with us because of Jesus his son I want you to see how well pleased He is with you. How much He cares for you and condescends to you. He died for you. He came for you. He loves you. Oh, brothers and sisters, we need Jesus. Just pray, Lord, help me. Help me. Show me where I need to repent. Show me where I need to improve and to be more like my wonderful Savior. Give us grace, O Lord, to do that. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Amen. It's so.